of worship with God's people. I bring you greetings from Liberia. Uh, it's a tiny little West African country with 4.5 million people. And I'm the National Field Director of the work we do in Liberia. We run churches. We have 21 churches there in Liberia. Um, and we have four schools um, at the Paul River. Paul River was the first, first place where the work started. And then it spread out to the capital city in Monrovia. And the latest school is what we call Best Brains Academy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a qualification to get in. <laughs> uh, and also we have um, uh, orphanage homes. We have boys' home and girls' home. We don't really call them orphanage homes. We call them transformation homes. Um, where kids who lost parents, uh, some who even lost their parents during the recent Ebola crisis, lived in their home, and my wife and I and other people have become their parents. Uh, my kids are very gracious to share their dad and their mom with other children to give them hope for tomorrow. And so we run um, orphanage homes and so it's a joy. In my house, we have a little house, my wife and I, and uh, three bedrooms. And we have about my wife, Christine, and I, and our three biological children. And then we have other 14 children living with us. Wow. <laughs> in, in just a three bedroom house. <laughs> Too. <laughs> but in all of that, God teaches us to, to laugh, even with the little we have to, to even share his love with those who don't really have. Um, and I'm also on the radio as well, uh, where I speak to the nation about Jesus, his love and reconciliation for our nation. Uh, you are such a very blessed people. And uh, children, I want you to know that you you're really blessed to be born in the greatest country of the world. It's such a blessing um, that your parents serve Jesus and you need to follow Jesus too. The blessings we enjoy in life come from the Lord. And uh, it's our hope that even you will know and love Jesus as you grow up and follow his footsteps. And so I want to thank this church so much for your prayers. Uh, your prayers and your partnership. This church has really been involved in uh, the work we do in supporting us, not only praying, but sending money to build classrooms and to encourage us. And that's why some of us are very excited to do what God has called us to do. My country is so poor. It's the fourth poorest country in the world. And uh, with 92% unemployment. So you imagine how difficult it is to, to survive in such a place. But 
Psalms 195 says, God opened his hands and feed all of his creatures. And I'm glad we are among those creatures he feed every day. And so, in spite of all that happened in our nation, he still provides for us and the many children we take care of uh, every day. So I'm on the radio speaking to the nation, the government leaders, and sometimes they get frustrated and it's like, wow, God, why you have to put me in, in the midst of all this? But I'll always say to myself, I'm not leaving. I will stay here until God is glorified in that nation. So I want to thank you, thank each and every one of you, and uh, for your prayers. And uh, remember Liberia in your prayers. We've gone through a lot. Nothing close to what you will call suffering here. Nothing close. Uh, but in all of that, we still have the joy of the Lord in our hearts each day. So thank you, Kosai, for your support uh, and uh, your prayers. We will be in heaven together, you know, whether you're from Liberia or you're from Kosai. We're going to be with Jesus at some point in our lives. So let's run the race. Let's keep going, no matter what comes our way. Let's run the race to the finishing line. So let me just show you some few pictures about... Uh, so li that's the Liberian flag, as you see. Very similar to your flag. Except you have... How many stars you have in your flag? <laughs> we just have one, and you have 50, right? Uh, but the founders of Liberia came from here, from America. Free slave from America started Liberia. And that's how our flag and our constitution and our pledge of allegiance, very much similar to yours. So we are a stepchild of America. And we are glad to be very connected to wonderful people and a great nation. So that's me there with my spiritual boss, the bishop. When he visited us a few, few years ago at our 50th annual convention. And you see that young guy with a little blue jay bird in his hand? That was me. When I was just 13 years ago, walking through the jungle, going to school, where I have to walk three hours to school. Yeah. No breakfast, no lunch. That was what I, need, I had to do to have an education. And uh, the pillar of fire built that school in the middle of the jungle. And no car. <laughs> so I'm happy that uh, the Lord used this ministry to give me an education to be able to serve him and do what I'm doing. And there, you know, the kind of is a radio. I'm a radio personality where I speak to the nation, 4.5 million people every day about Jesus. Uh, and it's the platform that God has given to me to speak to our national leaders, our village chiefs, and they all listen to me, even Muslims. Even Muslims listen to me, and I'm spending some time with some of the Muslim leaders. On our Supreme Court bench is um, uh, Justice. He's a Muslim. 
And he religiously listened to my program every morning. He said, Luther, I'm not a Christian, but I'm beginning to get close to Jesus through your teaching. And we are very good friends. Uh, I don't tell this on the radio show because he's a very big uh, political leader. But we are very, very good friends. And uh, last year he invited me. He said, I'm reading something about Jesus. I want you to explain it to me. And I went to his office. and So he's not there yet, but I know that God is going to, at some point, uh, touch his heart to know him. So the girls there are the girls in our transformation house. Uh, these are girls who lost their parents during the Civil War. And we're trying to be the hands and the hearts of Jesus to them. And the kids in the corner are students. Um, with a young man in the middle, though, we've looked like a king. <laughs> He's a king of the school. Yeah, so um, that's one of our schools in the slummy area in Monrovia, where all the poor people, about 99% of the people can't even afford. So we'll build a small school there. And these kids are going to school there and learning uh, the alphabet and knowing about Jesus. So the school, they went on the other side is for the Buchanan School. Uh, and we're building some schools there. And uh, that young man smiling with that big smile is from Best Brains Academy. He's one of the young men who said, well, I think I'll be the president of the nation someday. <laughs> and who knows? God might bring his dream to pass. So it's a privilege, and thank you all for uh, just listening to what you're doing. So children, when you pray, please pray for Luther. Pray for the work in Liberia. And who knows, you might come to Liberia one day and work in a clinic, and uh, I'll be praying for each of you too. Thank you very much. Rob asked me to share the word of God with this great congregation. I want to thank him so much for the privilege. Uh, I don't know why he trusts me so much with you guys. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to share from my heart what the Lord has laid on my heart uh, for today's service. Let us pray. Our Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for this moment of worship. We pray, Father Lord, that uh, your blessings and grace will rest on each and every one of us. We pray for the worshipers, Lord, that uh, your word will come with truth and convictions in our hearts. That we will be strong we will be encouraged and we will be the light on the hill shining forth your light and your glory to the dying word. So Father, speak through me. I am nothing. I'm just a man person, Lord. I just ask that you will anoint my words and that the words will 
be a blessing to your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so, Pastor Rob asked me to speak from my heart um, on anything. Uh, but I want to continue where he stopped. I, I understand you've been studying the book of Matthew. Um, so let me share some few verses from that passage. Let's turn to Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 15 to 22. Matthew 22, verse 15 to 22. Then the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. They sent some of their disciples, along with the supporters of Herod, to meet with him. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully. You are impartial and don't play favorites. Now tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesars or not? But Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites, he said. What are you trying to trap me? Here, show me the coin used for the tax. And when they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, whose picture and title has time on it? Caesar's, they reply. Well, then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. His response amazed them and it went away. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Matthew 22, Jesus told a parable, a very moving parable to the disciples and those around about a great banquet that was to come. And I'm glad that Pastor Rob talked about it last Sunday. What he invited people from around to come and be a part of this great banquet. And the original invitees refused to come. Then he sent the servants on the road and said, well, get anybody to come. So people came. And um, someone among them never had a garment. And the Lord said, well, young man, where's your garment? Well, they threw him out of the party which shows that on the final day, God is going to throw a party for his son Jesus, and only those who have the garment of righteousness will enjoy that party in heaven. Amen. Amen. And I'm glad that by the grace of God, each of us, is my prayer that we will be at that party. When our journey on earth is finished and done, 
we will be with Jesus. And our garments of salvation and righteousness that he has put on us will usher us into his presence. And he will reward us and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What a great and profound passage that Jesus has already mentioned. And then what amazes me was that with this kind of very spiritual moving parable that will provoke thought and thinking in the minds of the Pharisees and the leaders. If I were there, I would like, oh Lord, how do I become part of this party? What do I need to do? How can I learn from the man who are thrown out of the party? I want to be with you. I want to be a part of that party. But what surprised me as I look at that passage was uh, the Bible says that uh, the Pharisees met together with the Herodians. Now, these are two religious groups. At the close of the um, Old Testament, during the intertestamental period, the 400 years of silent period, a lot of religious groups came up, and the Pharisees were the conservative, very, very... Uh, Concerned about the laws and the keeping of the laws. And, and then the Sadducees and the Herodians were those who, Hellenistic Jews, who have become, the Jews who have become Greek in their lifestyle and who pledged their loyalty to the Roman Empire. And so the Herodians and the Pharisees could not see eye to eye. The Pharisees thought the Herodians were worldly. The Herodians thought the Pharisees were very unreasonable. And so they don't, they don't cross paths religiously. Doctrinally, they don't cross paths. But on this day, the Bible says that uh, they had a meeting. I don't know who was the first to invite who. But they decided to have a meeting. Especially, I guess, I was reading this passage. And it's at the end of the passage from... Chapter 1 to uh, verse 14. Jesus closed that parable up there with, Well, many are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. So perhaps, maybe, the Herodians who were Jews, but, and Hellenistic Jews, the Sadducees and Pharisees who were Jews, but committed to the law, heard that interesting closing of the passage, Many are called, but few are chosen. Oh, wow, we are the chosen people. We are the chosen people, yeah. We may be different, but we are the chosen people. So perhaps they felt that the Jews were chosen, and Jesus was talking about the chosen people. So it's time now, let's come together. Let's reconcile our theological differences and have a meeting. Well, the meeting was not how to move, how do we serve God is about how to trap Jesus. Uh, that was the essence of that meeting. And they said, okay, when we go there, let us, uh, let's flatter him. Okay? Let's tell him that uh, he's a good man. He's a wonderful man. And he's a man of God. And let's flatter him. And when he falls for our trap, and then we can now bring in this big political question. And, and, and then let's, let him trap himself in the midst of all this. But Jesus was there. 
He was really in their minds. He was understanding and following their conversation as they were having this conversation to trap him. And they came to him, Master, you are a good man. Great and wonderful man you are. Um, but we have a question for you. Um, do, do we pay taxes? Uh, now, if Jesus said, yes, pay taxes, that means Jesus had a collusion with not the Russians, but with the Romans. Not with the Russians, but with the Romans. He, he had a collusion with them. He wanted them uh, to, uh, to marginalize the poor Jewish people because the tax system then was a flat rate, okay? You don't pay taxes based on your income. You pay taxes just because you live there. Whether you have a job or not, you pay flat tax. So if Jesus were to agree, oh yeah, um, uh, yes, pay taxes, then he will be accused of collusion with the Romans to suppress the other Jews. Now, if he said, no, don't pay taxes, then of course the Herodians, who were very much uh, uh, committed to the rule of, of Caesar and, and Herod, will carry Jesus' news to the higher authority and say, there's a guy in town who is inciting the public uh, from paying taxes. Get him arrested. So whether Jesus said yes or no, that was the trap that they have created. But Jesus, the Bible says he's wise. He grew up wise, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And this man prayer for all of us as we walk this narrow path of life that the Lord will give us wisdom to know what to say at the appropriate time in our lives. Because sometimes we don't pray. We don't see God's face on issues. We quickly talk without, Lord, is this what you want me to say? Is this the right thing to say? But Jesus, being God and knowing their intentions, has a question to say. Okay? Um, do you have a coin? Oh, yeah, yes, 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 a coin. Whose inscription is on this coin? Well, Caesar. Okay. Then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And give to God what belongs to God. At the end of the passage, he said, the people were amazed of his, uh, his wisdom. Now, many pastors, when they look at this passage, some will say, well, you know, Jesus has endorsed believers to get involved in political life because he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. So that's politics. Well, I agree with that. But that is not the point of this passage. Is a gift to Caesar what belongs to Caesar? Yes, God wants us as his children to obey our leaders, to obey our laws. And in a political thing, it's a very confusing thing. There is no winner in politics. In my country, 
Uh, and I tell you, every nation has a Caesar that we all have to contend with. Uh, in my nation, we just had election, and at the end of the election emerged a young uh, soccer player uh, who we have as a nation, I personally, have seen him as unfit to be president for the country because he has no executive experience, no managerial experience. And, uh, but as I even joined the rest of them to criticize him, the Lord convinced me that, well, you can judge your Caesar Luther if you want, but he becomes president by my permission. I'd allow it. That's my Caesar. So every nation has its own Caesar they need to deal with. Here in America, uh, President Trump, when that name is mentioned, the line is drawn in the sand. <laughs> and you know where one American is against the other. But I want to say to us this morning, church, that uh, God is not unaware about our feelings, about our national leaders. But how I pray that God will give us the wisdom to know that no Caesar ascends to a throne without his permission. That we believers would know that as President Judge, we out of Liberia is seemingly on fate. He can be God's man for a moment. I mean, I know. As brushed as President Trump may be, he may be God's moment for America and the world in such a time like this. So I pray that God will give us wisdom um, in how we, where we put our political loyalty. Because whether you live in America or you live in Liberia or you live in England, there's a Caesar who's going to be on the throne that you have to contend with. But I pray, the Lord convicted me after the election and said, Luther, you know I gave you a platform of influence among the young people of your country. Please, don't talk openly and rebuke this man. Just pray for him. It was difficult for me to pray for him, to be honest. But I've come to realize, church, that when you pray for your leaders, it's hard to pray for someone and not love them. Prayer has a way of connecting you and seeing things the way God wants you to see them. And ever since I started praying for my leader, in as incompetent as he appears, I begin to see that God has him on the throne for a reason. Uh, so this is not about Democrat or Republican, but it's my Christian responsibility to know that anyone who sits on the throne is there by God's permission. And we as believers must pray. The point I want to get to before I take my seat, as I said in my talk, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. Well, that was not a political thing. In my opinion, as I read the passage, it is about 
To whom are you loyal? Whose image is this? Was the question Jesus asked. Whose inscription is on this coin? Caesar. Now that reminds me of why the Lord said him. Genesis 1 verse 26. Let us make man in our image. It's a question of image. Whose image is upon your life? Caesar or God? That's what we should think about. Because God's original plan for all of us is that each of us will project the image of Jesus. We may not understand all the political and social issues and we may be frustrated with where things go. But a man and a woman who have the image of God upon his life will see things from God's perspective. Whose image is upon your life? To whom are you committed? You've got the Pharisees and the Herodians where I'm committed to Caesar, the Herodians said. We are committed to the law, the Pharisees said. Give to Caesar what belongs to him and give to God what belongs to God. Three things quickly I just want to just run through quickly then we pray. Church, I've come to realize that when we allow the Lord to have his stamp upon our lives, his image upon our family, upon what we do, upon our life personally. There are three things quickly. He will never forsake us. No matter the political system, the social system, the Lord promises to be with you. You are not defined by the politics of today. You are defined by the image and God's stamp upon your life. He said, even when you pass through the water, I will be with you. During the Ebola crisis and people were dying in my country, the vice president called me and said, Oh, Luther, we know that you are the only God out there. Please go out there and give water and food to the people of Liberia. Everyone is afraid. I was afraid too. I had a family. My kids are small I remember my little daughter would hug me and say, Daddy, don't go out there. Don't go. You might die. But I'll pray as a Lord, you go with me. Be with me as a golden. Be the hands and feet of Jesus out there to the dying public. And I would dress up almost like in a space suit and go there into the community and handing out water and food to the people. And I did that for three weeks in the midst of the Ebola crisis when others were hiding. I knew I had the image of Jesus in my life and I know God will protect me. When you have the image of Jesus upon your life, whether in your office or whatever you are, God will never forsake you. He will be with you. He will be with you. The political system can come and go. 
but Jesus will be with you. The psalmist said, my mom and my dad have forsaken me, but God will never forsake his own. Hallelujah. Number two, when God's image is upon your life, you gravitate towards others who have the image of God upon your life. That's what the psalmist would say. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because when like-minded believers come together, something great happens. The Bible says one chase thousand, but two can chase ten thousand. I don't understand the math. <laughs> but when brothers and sisters who love Jesus come together and pray, something dramatic can happen. Salvation can happen. There can be revival in the Bay Area here. Because of your prayers when you come together. And I pray that church, God will use you. With the image of Jesus upon your life, you will be the light on this hill in this Bay Area. And Jesus will draw many to this church into his kingdom because of you. And I tell people, what? Oh, I'm a child of God. I don't go to church. Oh, how do you do that? How do you love Jesus and you don't enjoy being with others who love Jesus? How do you do that? What's your secret? Let me know. But David said, I was glad when they said, let's go. You should be happy that you are together with those who love Jesus. And I pray that each of us will, with the image of God upon our life, will enjoy fellowship. We enjoy being together, praying together, singing the Lord's song together. Being there for each other. The fellowship will not be forsaken. Finally, when the image of God is upon us, we will know that our time here on earth is a time permitted by God. My life, whatever I have, belong to him. My resources, my voice, my talent does not belong to me, to him and for his glory. When God's image is on you, it's no longer about your life. It's about him. About pleasing him. And that was the question in my mind he was asking the religious leader. Whose image is this? May God stamp his image upon your life so that the rest of your time here on earth Jesus will be glorified. My friend said to me when I started coming to America uh, a few years back, I want pastor who said, Oh, Luther, why do you go to that great country and come back here? Why will you do that? God saved me for a purpose. I was a young man walking through that jungle. He saved me. He rescued me. When no one thought 
I had nothing to offer to the world. My own father rejected me and thought that my life was just to be in a little African village. But God saw me differently. He gave me the strength to go through the jungle. Three hours one way, three hours the other way. For a purpose like this. I lost my mom and she was beaten to death at the Civil War and I was broken. My sister died from Ebola. I've seen a lot. But in all of this, God was processing me to have his image upon my life. So nothing matters to me now. Not even my life. I want my life to bring glory to his name and to his kingdom. That's my prayer for each of us today. That our lives will bring honor and glory to God. So on the date of judgment, he will call you and say, good and faithful servant, well done. Come into my rest. Let's pray, Father, that you will stem your image upon our lives. We will not be carried away by material things. We will not be carried away by even the thought of ourselves. But that we will be reminded in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Let us make man in our image. That your image will be in our lives, in our families, in our work. That whatever we do, Jesus, you alone will be glorified. I pray for all those who are here who are sick. Lord, that you will heal them, Lord. I pray for your healing power, Lord, through this congregation. Those who have loved ones at home who are not well, Lord, that you will release your healing virtues upon them. Those who are weak in their faith, oh Lord, that you will help us to run this race, not by our strength, but by your power. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for hearing us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.